Well, I hope you enjoyed that video, and uh, I hope that you enjoyed the 4th of July weekend with your family, your friends, got a chance to relax, hang out a little bit. I hope it's been a, a good and productive time for you, a relaxing time for you. And, and you know, I was thinking about it. Um, we have challenges in our nation. There's no doubt about it. There's so much going on, uh, a lot of listening that we need to do with one another, a lot of learning that we can do. We've got the challenge of the coronavirus and spike and, you know, that, that that's occurred recently. So there's challenges that are going on, and it'd be very easy for us to continually stay focused on those things. But, you know, if you're looking for a positive element in these days and you're just thinking, well, hey, we've got a lot of challenges in our nation right now, but what are some good things? I thank God, and I believe that you do as well. I'm certain that you do. I thank God for the religious freedom and opportunity that we have in our nation, that we, we can worship God openly. We can share Jesus openly. We can uh, stream services just like this one without fear of reprisal because of the religious freedom that we have. So in the midst of a lot of challenges, Let's be thankful to God for the blessings that we do enjoy and continue to love and learn and grow. And our God is an amazing God. And I want to tell you, I'm very, very fired up about the message today. I've been anxious to share it with you. And I really want you to be encouraged. Maybe you've been coming through a, a challenge. Maybe you've been down about something, maybe a family situation or maybe something at work or lack of work or uh, maybe it's your health, whatever the case may be. I just really want you to be encouraged today. I want you to be strengthened today. Maybe you're faced with a financial challenge. Maybe you're just spiritually feel like you're at a dull place in your life. I want to build you up. I want to encourage you in the Lord today. And I believe that God is going to help us with that. So I'm glad you're with me. And we're going to have a good time together in the next few moments. And here's what I'm going to do. I want to tell a quick story. And then I'm going to show you Three verses of Scripture that Paul uses uh, in Philippians, and then toward the end of this message, toward the end of this talk, I want to give you three fairly quick uh, observations from the passage, and hopefully we're going to learn together. But I want to begin with a story, and for those of you that if you have, you've known me for some time, you have probably heard me at some point tell this story. I've got family that watches every week. You know the story. My mom, and uh, you know, when she was alive for as long as I knew her, mom was very OCD, and she passed these traits down uh, to us, uh, my sister to me, and I've sort of passed those traits down, and, and mom was just, at, you know, it was just her, and we loved everything about her, but here was, here was indicative of what mom would do. I can remember we were getting ready to go on a family trip, and mom said, all right, she's had us checking on everything. Is the stove off, iron, and all that. And so she said to me, again, I'm about 10 or 11, and she said, Jeff, I want you to go and unplug the clothes dryer. And I'm thinking, you know, why do we need to unplug? It's not running, it's off. Why do we need to unplug it? But I figure, you know, she's mom, and she's older and smarter than I am. I'm only 10, 11 years old, so I'll do, obviously, what mom asked me to do. So I go into the laundry room, and I'm going to unplug the dryer. How many of you have seen recently how big that plug for a clothes dryer is? And it wasn't like you could just reach and just gently unplug it. So I, I reached up, and I went to unplug it, and it's, it's firmly in the socket. So I didn't know any better. I just started dry, uh, grabbing.
grabbing the cord, and I just started shaking it a little bit, uh, you know, loosen those three big prongs out of the socket, and I, I would just keep shaking that until I was trying to work, work it out, and I got it out enough that I felt I could now reach up and grab it, and here's what I did. I reached with both of my hands up on the plug for the clothes dryer to pull it out of the socket, and there was just enough metal exposed uh, from those prongs that I touched that live current with both of my hands. And I kid you not, I kid you not, my hands began to shake. I really, I couldn't see. My hands were violently shaking like this, and, and I just found myself calling out just, ah, sort of like if you've ever seen uh, the movie at Christmas time, and, and you know, the, the guy, he's just standing there. I'm trying to remember even the name of the movie. You've heard it. You've seen it. And uh, so I was just shaking, and I'm, it finally, finally, um, you know, I wanted to say I let go of it, but I couldn't let go of it, or I would have. It finally uh, let go of me. And uh, I looked down, and I literally, I mean, I had been jolted pretty good. Thankfully, it didn't do uh, any more uh, damage than it did. I had some blisters on my fingertips, and some of you are saying, you know, that explains a lot, Jeff. We always wondered what happened to you, and so that, that explains a lot. Well, you know, I didn't let go of it. It let go of me, and I am so thankful that it did. And I want to talk to you today uh, about don't let go. Don't let go. And you can see it right here on the screen. Don't let go. These three verses of Scripture. I love this very brief passage of the Bible that we're going to dig in today. And I've read it many, many times before, and I'm excited about sharing it with you. You've probably read it some of you many times, some of you have never seen these verses before, and so hopefully it's going to be enlightening to you. So let's begin with the very first verse right here. This is Philippians chapter 3. This is the Apostle Paul, um, and in verse 12, this is what he says. We see the personal nature of what he's sharing. He said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. Look at this phrase, but I press on. I'm just moving forward. I press on to take hold. He's going to hold. He's going to hold on uh, for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, uh, here's something that I want you to understand right up front. I want you to get this. I want this to really resonate with you. Did you know that God wants you much more than even you want God? Let me just say that again. You say, well, I'm passionate for God. I'm longing for God. There's something in my heart that is going after God, and I don't doubt that at all. But I want to just say, God wants you. God wants to be in relationship with you. God wants it to be a vibrant relationship. He wants you even more than you want him. And Paul came to this realization in his own life. Paul could vividly recall a time, uh, and you've seen this in the Scripture, no doubt, when Jesus just got a hold of his life in such a powerful way. Uh, Paul was busy with Saul at that time, Saul of Tarsus, and he was persecuting believers, and he was having men and women locked up in prison simply because they were following Christ. He had a letter from leadership saying, hey, now I'm going to another place. I'm going to Damascus, and once I get there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to persecute believers there. I'm going to take men and women who are followers of Jesus. I'm going to have them locked
locked up. I'm going to have them incarcerated. And man, did he have an experience with God on the road to Damascus. This blinding light, this blinding light experience that Paul had with God. I mean, knocked off, uh, you know, the horse that was carrying him. And he's like, okay, what's going on here? God speaks to him. Uh, And so it's a powerful encounter. And had that not occurred, not only would Paul have not gone on to be like one of the greatest Christians ever, right, over half of the New Testament, Paul would have probably spent the rest of his life persecuting believers, persecuting the church, but he had this powerful encounter with God. God got a hold of his life in an incredible way. We also noticed in this verse that, uh, that Paul is expressing the tension between where he is currently and where he really wants to be. He said, not that I have already obtained all of this. So Paul was at that place, and you can probably relate to it. I know that I can. Do you ever feel this way? Maybe you do right now. I know where I'm at in my relationship with God. I know where I'm at, and I know where I want to be, and where I want to be in my relationship with God, and where I'm currently at, they're just not congruent. I want to be here, but I'm actually back here, and Paul had that tension. Hey, not that I've already obtained it. I'm passionate. I want to move forward. I want to keep moving in the right direction, but so far, here's where I'm at, and Paul felt what you felt, what I felt. Here's where I want to be, but here's where I'm at right now, and he's dealing with the tension of that in this passage that we're looking at here in Philippians chapter 3. He said, but here's what I'm going to do. You saw the language. I'm going to press on. I am going to strain every nerve, every muscle, every fiber in my body. I'm going to reach for that prize that I'm longing for and is just ahead of me. So he's very open. He was very transparent about where he was in his relationship with Christ, where he wanted to go. There's a New Testament scholar who has made a very interesting statement in connection to this verse. The scholar's name is Frank Thillman, and listen to what he writes. He said this, only those who understand their lack of perfection have reached spiritual maturity. And that's a paradox, isn't it? I want you to hear that again, because you're like, okay, I think I've got it, but I'm not sure I've got it. Could you say it again? And I, and I will. Listen to it one more time. Only those who understand their lack of perfection have reached spiritual maturity. Now, have you ever seen people, and again, you know, I'm, you know, probably don't need to look around the room. You probably don't need to call out any names. You probably don't need to text anybody and say, hey, I think Jeff was talking about you. But have you ever known anybody that the way they describe their life, it's almost like they're perfect. It's almost like they are Superman in regards to being a Christian, or they're like the best Christian ever, and they're like perfect in every way. And, you know, they're probably not, but they want you or I to believe that. You know, a thing is right, that, that is not the sign of spiritual maturity. It's just simply not. The sign of spiritual maturity is like Paul is, is experiencing right here, where he's saying, you know, here's where I really want to go in my relationship with Christ. I'm passionate. I love Jesus with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Uh, here's where I want to be, but here's where I'm at. Now, keep in mind, we're not going there, but this is the same writer, the Apostle Paul, who talked about, you know, it is so, it's just so challenging for me because sometimes in my life, this is what Paul says in another place in the scriptures. He said, the very things I know I ought to do, those are the things I find myself not doing. And the things that I just tell myself I should not do, 
I find myself doing those very things. And he talks about it being the conflict between two natures, between his flesh, which is um, unredeemed, and, you know, the old self, and, and his spirit man, which is patterned after the likeness of Jesus. And he's talking about tension there. And I think all of us can relate to that. How many of you have ever had that experience where, like, I know I need to do this, but then you didn't do exactly what you knew you should have done? Or, like, you know what? I shouldn't do this, but then you found yourself doing it. So Paul, you've got to appreciate about him, he's not claiming perfection. You know, even though he's like a super saint, a super Christian, he's not claiming to be that. He's just being very vulnerable about where he's at and where he wants to go in his relationship with Christ. So that's verse 12. I want you to look now at verse 13 with me. All right, here's the second of three verses. Brothers and sisters, still Paul, obviously, He said, I know that I've not yet reached that goal. That's what we've been talking about. But there is one thing I always do. I'm not there yet, but here's one thing I'm really working hard at, forgetting the past. How about you? Are you doing that? Forgetting the past. I'm working hard to forget the past and straining toward what is ahead. And we need to talk about that for just a moment. Now, I want to pause here for just a second and say this to you. To forget, this expression to forget in the biblical sense of the word, is not just simply to erase from our mind, if that were even possible. That's not what it's implying here. It's not to erase from our mind, to eradicate from our mind. It's hard to do. What it actually means here, very concretely, it's, it's a refusal to remember. I refuse to remember. Can, can I completely forget? Probably not. But I'm choosing to not look back. I'm choosing. I'm refusing to remember, you know, what was in my past. Now, I want to just say this to you. For the longest time, when I would read this passage, and as I mentioned to you, I've read it many, many times before. For the longest time, when I would read this passage, I would think that what Paul is saying here about forgetting the past was actually tethered to his pre-conversion sins. I thought, well, he's, he's talking about his past sins. And he is, in a sense, but it's not just limited to that. Uh, He's actually, out of his humility, and I'm not going to take all the time to talk about it. You can go back and research this later on your own. But out of his humility, he's doing a realistic gut check of the assessment of his own spiritual maturity. And I want to pause here for just a moment again and just say, spiritual maturity, when we're thinking about spiritual maturity, it is not pretending that we're perfect because we know that we are not. You know you're not. I know I'm not. It is not pretending that we're perfect. It is, uh, it is spiritual maturity is saying, you know, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to refuse to focus on my past. And we would think, well, you know, just past sins, is that what is being implicated here? No, it would include past accomplishments. I'm not living in the past. I'm not living in the past of my, you know, my past accomplishments, those things that are behind me, my past failures, my past successes, even my past sins. Instead, here's what I'm going to do. And this is what Paul is encouraging us to do, is to expend our efforts on the course or the path that lies ahead. A spiritual maturity is not saying, I'm always looking over my shoulder at what was. No, Paul is saying, here's what I'm doing. I'm straining. You know, I've not yet reached the goal, but here's what I'm giving my best to, to forget the past. And I'm straining toward 
what is ahead. I want to go forward in my relationship with Christ. I'm straining. I'm not there yet. I want to be there. But if I'm going to get there to where I know I need to be, I'm going to quit looking in the past. I'm going to keep my eyes set on a future goal, a future prize, a future calling. Now, one more verse here, and I want you to see this one. This is verse 14. He says, I press on. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to read it with me this time, all right? We'll slow it down, and I want you to read it. Read it out loud. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In this verse, Paul mentions the call of God. He's talking about the call of God. What is this call? And I have to say to you that this call for his life is the same that is also the call for your life and mine. It, it is a call that, that God gives to us, that he brings us. In, in fact, let me just say it this way. It has its basis in the mercy of God. That's where it starts. And what God does is he invites us out of our waywardness. He invites us out of our rebellion. He invites us into an abiding relationship with Jesus. And it's like Jesus is saying, I love you so much, I'm not going to let you stay where you're at. And maybe you feel like Paul felt right now. Maybe you feel like I've felt so many times when like, you know, I'm here. I want to go there. I love Jesus so much. I'm so in love with Jesus. I want to be more and more like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus. I want to talk like Jesus. I want to, I want to live like Jesus. I'm here. I want to go there. And, and it's the same idea where he's calling us. You know, he invites us, the call of God. He calls us out of our waywardness. He calls us out of our rebellion. He calls us into this vibrant, ongoing relationship, and it's all made possible because Jesus initiated it by going to the cross and dying on the cross in our place. And it's like he's saying, you know what, Jeff, you don't deserve a relationship with me. If it's based on what you deserve, you don't deserve that at all, and I know I don't. But what Jesus says is, here's what I do. I pick you up out of your imperfections. I save you by grace. I extend my mercy to you. I give you forgiveness. When you confess and when you repent, I extend forgiveness to you. And I want you to walk with me. And I want you to have fellowship with me. I've called you into a life that is so different from what your life was like before you came into relationship with me. And then Paul talks about the prize. And we could take some time here. Uh, You know, we've just spent uh, three weeks uh, up until uh, just a few days ago being around the grandkids. Brent, Nicole, uh, three grandkids, fourth one, uh, some of you may know that, fourth one's on the way now, due around November. And, and the grandkids have a way of coming around, and uh, they'll say something like this uh, to me. They'll be like, Papa, are you going to get me a prize? Are you going to get me a prize? That you know, if you've got grandkids, you know what that means. Hey, take me to the store, get me a toy, get me something. Am I going to get a prize? And Paul's talking about the prize here, and you may be thinking, well, what is the prize that he's referring to? And scholars believe, and you know, the leaning is that the prize is nothing less than Jesus himself. That's the prize. Uh, we're moving in the direction of Jesus. We want to become more like Jesus. Paul is like, I'm pressing on. I've got my eye on the prize. I've got my eye on Jesus, and I will not be deterred. I'm not going to stop. And maybe that's where you're at today, where you're like, you know what, Jeff? 
you know, what he's saying is just so indicative of my life. I'm struggling. I want to be a great Christian. I want to do, I want to to think the way that I'm supposed to think. I want to talk the way that I'm supposed to talk. And sometimes I don't think right, and I don't talk right. And sometimes my actions and my attitude when I'm around people at work, and maybe you're thinking that right now. Maybe you're like Paul, and you're saying, hey, you know, I see where I want to be, but I'm not there. I'm, I'm here, but I'm straining. I'm going. I believe that, you know, I want to take hold of Jesus. I want to hold on with everything that is within me, and that's good and that's important. But here's what you've got to realize. Jesus, even more so, is taking hold of you, and he's not going to let you go. Now, you can just turn your back, and I hope you won't. I don't think you will. You can just turn your back and say, forget God, forget Jesus, forget Jesus' sacrifice. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be my own person. I'm going to follow my own path. I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not concerned about the call of God or the prize of Jesus. You know, I'm just going to do my own thing. And that would be a huge mistake. So having said that, I want to quickly leave you with three observations, and then we're going to be done. Observation number one. Are you ready? You may want to write this down somewhere. Observation number one. When Jesus takes hold of your life, something powerful is going to happen. Let me say it again. You need to write it down. This is for you. Some of you need to hear that. When Jesus takes hold of your life, something powerful is going to happen. It really will. So refuse to resist that. Refuse to, you know, keep any area of your life separated from Jesus' claim upon your life. Just say, Jesus, here I am, and that is all of me. I want all, all of me to be surrendered. I want you to have all of me, and I want to have all of you. And why would we even think about resisting You know, Jesus who loves us in the way. Why would we resist somebody who loves us the way that we've never been loved? Somebody who sincerely cares about every single need of our life, big or small. Somebody that is strong enough, by the way, to beat back the attacks of the evil one against your life. Somebody that is so filled with mercy and grace that he wants you to experience his peace and his joy. Somebody who cares so much about you that he went and he bled and died on the cross for you. So go ahead, I challenge you, go ahead and allow Jesus to take hold of your life. Can I just say something to you, and I hope you'll receive it with the same heart and spirit that I say it, and that is, you have just as much of Jesus as you really want. You do. You have just as much of Jesus as you really want. And that doesn't nullify what we said earlier, that we're, we're here, but we want to go there. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus is constantly revealing himself to us. You and I can grow. You and I can become spiritual mature. You know, we don't, we don't have to pretend that we're, you know, perfect when we know that we're not. But we can say, I, I want to grow. I want to know Jesus in a deeper way. I want to I get into his word. I want to I pray. I want to learn to communicate with God. I want to stay dialed into things that are going to build up my life spiritually. You know, it seems like we always seem to find the time for the things that we want to do. And if we just say, well, here's what I want to do. I really want to grow in my relationship with God. We'll find ways to do that. And if you feel like, well, you know, I'm, I really want to experience Jesus, but it just seems that Jesus is avoiding me. Listen, if you feel distant from Jesus, I, I want to just say this. Jesus has not moved. You've moved or I've moved. Jesus has not moved away from us. At times, we move away from him. So observation number one, when Jesus takes hold of your life, something powerful is going to happen. Let it happen. Just say, Jesus, all of me, even that part of me that I've been holding back, I'm not going to hold it back anymore. Jesus, all of me, I surrender completely to you. Number two, second observation, our lives become so much better 
when we refuse to look back. So live forward. Our lives become so much better, so much greater, so much richer if we're not always looking back over our shoulder, but our eyes are set. Paul said, I press on toward the goal, the prize. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm here, I want to go there, but I'm not going to get there because I'm always looking back here. I can remember when I uh, first started learning how to drive, 15 years of age, uh, learning, had my learner's permit and and uh, some of you, uh, you know I'm from Georgia, and some of you are thinking, well, I thought you could start driving in Georgia when you're about eight. No, that is not true. But I was able to get my learner's permit when I was 15, and uh, I was learning to drive, and, and so I'd get some coaching. I'd ride with an experienced driver, and I started, uh, I actually took driver's ed. You know, that's how old I am. They actually offered driver's ed um, in high school, and I had driver's ed. And, you know, we'd be coached on the blind spot. you got to turn and look, you know, not just in your rearview mirrors or your side mirrors. You, you've got to turn and you've got to look for a moment in your blind spot. Here, when I first started driving, 15 years of age, here was my problem. I would turn to look in that area that you that sort of that blind spot in between. And, and I would just stay so focused as an inexperienced driver. I was just looking back too long, not just a glance. I was just like looking back long enough that I, without even knowing it, I was starting to weave a little bit, get near, and the instructor would say, no, no, just glance and then look back. And, but you know what? Isn't that true of our lives? If we're always looking back at the past, again, we're, we're just always looking back instead of keeping our eye on the prize, on the goal. Our lives just start wobbling around. We're not focused on Jesus the way that we know that we want to be focused on Jesus, the way that Jesus wants us to be focused on Him. We're just always looking back. We're looking back at our past. We're looking back at all of our frustrations, or we're looking back at our failures. We're just always looking back. We're looking back at our past sins. We're looking back at our past successes, our past mistakes, our past merits, our past agonies, our past achievement. We're just always looking back. And, you know, when we're always looking back, how can you and I press on toward the goal and win the prize when we're always looking? So I challenge you today. I challenge you today to just say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not looking in the past anymore. I'm not living in the past. The past is the past. Listen, if you could do something about the past, things about your past you don't like, guess what? You would have done something about those by now. You and I cannot change the past. Forgetting what lies behind, Paul said. You'll never maybe be able to erase some of those things from your mind, but you don't have to dwell there. You can say, I'm not living. I'm not living in the past. Yes, this happened in my life. Yes, I got hurt this way. Yes, this happened in my life. Yes, this is what I did. Yes, this is what happened to me, but I'm not going to live there because I can't stay straight between the lines and pursue Jesus if I'm always looking backwards. I want you to look at something that Dallas Willard wrote one time, and it's here on the screen. He said, the most important thing about you is not the things that you achieve. It's actually about the person that you become. It's not what you're achieving in your life. It's about the person that you're actually becoming. So observation number one, when Jesus takes hold of your life, something powerful is going to happen. It truly is. Second observation, our lives become so much better when we refuse to look back or live back in the past. Thirdly, lastly, and we're done. Do not be content with your current spiritual condition. Do not be content with your current spiritual condition. Reach for the goal. Just say, I'm going after it. Reach for the goal. I'm going after it. Don't be content. 
Don't be content about where you're at. You know, it's, it's funny. I was thinking about it while I was working on this message. I'm at a stage in life, you know, when you get my age, 36 or so. When you get my age, it's like in the gym, you know what? I'm not going for any personal records anymore. My days of going for personal records are over. For me right now, it's sustainability because I'm probably not going to be able to lift any more than what I can lift right now, weight-wise. You know, I'm just probably not, and I, I have accepted that. I'm probably not going to be able to advance in that regard. So for me, in regards to working out at the gym, it's more now about sustainability than personal records. Now, I love golf. Some of you know that, and a lot of you probably love golf as well. And I'm in a pretty good swing right now, no pun intended. But uh, I'm at a pretty good place. I'm making some improvements. I'm tweaking. I'm adjusting. Now, that I think I can make some improvements in. I have been of late. Hopefully, that will continue. So maybe there's some hope for me in that, that realm. But you know, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been in a relationship with Christ, or maybe you're just looking to get in a relationship with Christ, you have not reached the pinnacle of your spiritual maturity, your spiritual growth. You haven't, and I haven't. It's going back to what Paul said. I want to be here, but I'm here. And no matter how old you are, no matter what your past is, no matter what your experiences have been, you can go forward. I encourage you to go forward. Do not allow your spiritual life to drift. We always, anytime we just go in neutral, we're, we drift in the wrong direction. You've got you to have a plan. You've got to have a purpose. You've got to have, you've got to have intensity to just say, you know what? I'm not just going to grow spiritually, you know, because I just, you know, really wasn't doing anything differently. It just sort of somehow happened. It's not just going to somehow happen. You've got to be intentional. And don't be content about where you're at spiritually. Just say, you know what? Here's where I'm at, but I'm going to incrementally become more like Jesus. I'm going to, I'm going to more and more think like Jesus. I'm going to more and more talk like Jesus. When I'm at work or when I'm with family or friends, you know, I'm not going to be one way, you know, one, one way this part of my life. But then when I'm in this group, I'm going to act a different, you know, you're saying, here's where I'm at spiritually. And I know that I've not yet reached the goal. And so I challenge you. I challenge you. No matter how long you've been in a relationship with Christ, whether you're young or old, male or female, whatever your background is, to just say, here's what I'm going to do. I am going after Jesus with everything that is within me. So you've probably set goals in other areas of your life. You probably set some financial goals, some career goals. Maybe you've set some health goals where you're going to get healthier. You're going to start working out or lose a little weight. You, you and I set goals in so many different directions of our life. Can I challenge you to set some spiritual goals to just say, here are some of the things that's going to help me to get to know Jesus better because I want to grow. I want to become more and more like Jesus. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to hang. Jesus grabbed hold of me and he's hanging on. I'm going to hang on to Jesus. And I, with God's help and by God's grace, going to become what he wants me to be. One more quote, and then I'm going to pray. Look at this one. This is John Ortberg. Love his books. He said, spiritual growth, in a sense, is simply increasing our capacity to experience 
the presence of God. Let me pray for you today. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Jesus, right now, this is what we want. We want to grow in our faith and our relationship with you. We want to experience your presence and your power in our life. We don't want to just idly go through our life. We don't want to go into neutral. We don't want to drift. We don't want to go in reverse. God, we know that you've got a plan for us, and the plan that you have for us is better than the plan that we're currently living. And Jesus, we just want to go forward. We want to become more and more like you. We want, to, we want to develop the habits and the disciplines that are helping us to become more and more like you. We want to get into your word. We don't want to be negligent about that. We don't want to put every other things before you. We want to learn to talk with you and have conversations with you and have quiet moments so we can listen to you. We don't want to be neglectful of our spiritual life. And we've got time for, for TV and we've got time for so many other things that we want uh, to be a reality in our life, but to say that we don't have time for you or to read things that are going to help us to grow or to watch services like this that are going to help us to grow. And God, I just pray that you'd help every person watching right now to know that you love them and that you care about them and you've got a good plan for their life and you want them to grow and you'll do your part. Now, I pray that you will help them to do their part. And just as they would set goal for whatever area of their life that is important to them, that they would set a goal to become more like you in the remainder of this year and more like you the next year and the years to come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you right back here next week.